So Genesis chapter 40, we're there. To get proper context of what's going on, we'll start in chapter 39. And in verse 20 through 23, it gives us the right perspective, the right process. In case we forgot what happened last time in the life of Joseph, he's tempted. Potiphar's wife comes on him, wants him. She's been chasing him every single day, day in and out. He refuses that temptation. He runs for his life. He wants to honor his boss who has trusted him with everything. And he wants to honor the Lord who has entrusted him with everything as well. But in Genesis 39, verse 20 through 23, it tells us, Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Again, Joseph, he's done everything right. He honored the Lord, he ran away from the temptation, and yet he still dealt another tough hand, right? He still dealt something that's not fair, not right, but we see the Lord is still with him. We see that he hasn't become this super lazy servant or this bitter or angry servant, but whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. So now verse 1 through 3, it tells us, It came to pass after these things that the butler... And the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers and the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them and he served them so they were in custody for a while. So Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, he's offended by these two men. We don't know if they served him overcooked steak, right? We don't know if they served him some sort of disgusting wine or what happened. Later on, we'll see that there was a coup set up within Pharaoh's kingdom where men were trying to kill him and poison him. We'll see that later on. But the butler, he wasn't like Alfred or Batman or anything like that. The butler... He oversaw everything that had to do with Pharaoh's wine. He oversaw Pharaoh's vineyards. He oversaw Pharaoh's uh, royal settlers. He oversaw everything that Pharaoh had to do. To the point that Pharaoh, again, the most powerful man in all the earth, they would literally make the wine for him in front of his face. This is what we'll see in the dream sequence later on. The baker, he was the man in charge of Pharaoh's food. So likened to the butler, he would be in charge of the farms, be in charge of the storehouses, the greenhouses, every aspect of Pharaoh's food from farm to table. He was the first one that would be in charge of that or being taken care of that. But again, these two men, they were in prison because of suspicious activity. They weren't thrown in here because they had done absolutely nothing wrong. One man will be proven innocent later on. But we know without a shadow of a doubt that Joseph was in there with no wrongdoing. Who was this captain of the guard, right? Verse 4 tells us the captain of the guard, he charged Joseph with him. Who was this captain of the guard? We can turn to Genesis chapter 39. 
Verse 1, if we remember, it says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. This gives us further proof that Potiphar didn't really believe what his wife had said. Because, again, he could have killed Joseph right on the spot. But I believe to save face, save face with his wife, save face in the position that he was in, he sentenced him to prison. But he basically gave him a job right away in the prison where he was in charge of the other inmates. And now we begin our series of ideas and just studying the text of Joseph's character. What did Joseph do while he was in another bad situation, in another place he didn't deserve, in another place where he had done everything right? How was Joseph acting? The first thing it tells us in verse 4, that Joseph served them. He served them. What a mark of humility. Again, after Joseph, all he had been through, after the unfairness he has dealt with so many years, we don't see any anger. We don't see any bitterness. We don't see him refusing to work with Pharaoh, right? You know who I am. You know I've done nothing wrong. What is wrong with you? I'm never going to serve you. I'm never going to care for your people. We don't see that. But instead, we see a heart that is willing to serve other inmates. And I think we've all been there. When we're in a bad situation, even though we didn't deserve it, and we see other people who are in the bad situation because they deserve it, right? And they're like, hey, we're the same. We're like, we are not the same, right? We get super angry. We get super mad. But here, Joseph, he's serving them. He's caring for these men. In Psalm chapter 37, verse 5 through 7, it tells us, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Right? What a great scripture for us in this season. To trust in the Lord. Don't get a bunch of gray hairs because there's evil men doing things out in the world. Trust in the Lord. Commit your way to him. Sometimes we deal with injustice. Sometimes we deal with accusations and false claims against us. One of the great tokens of wisdom is for us as believers to worry about our character and God will care for our reputation. Worry about your character and God will worry about your reputation. Some of us were so consumed with what the world thinks of us. Hey, I'm not that bad. I'm not that lazy that we've just let our character go to bad places and we're just consumed with what do people think about me. Again, Joseph, he's here. He's not banging on the cell doors. He's not planning his prison break out of prison. He's serving these other inmates. Next thing for us to note from Joseph is that Joseph did not live in the past. Joseph did not live in the past. He's been in prison, falsely accused. He's in charge of these other men. He's still willing to serve them and love them. He was not consumed with the past. He was not living in the past. Proverbs 22, verse 29, it tells us, Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. Matthew 25, verse 21, His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. 
I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Again, family, we love this scripture once we're put in manager positions, right? We love this scripture once we're the ones in charge and we're like, yeah, yeah, I got to be faithful in the little, so I'll be given the much. But we need to love these verses when we come to church and say, hey, what can I do? And someone gives you the toilet wand, right? And the toilet scrubber. And do we say, man, I'm going to do this with all my heart because if I do this with all my heart, one day I'm going to clean the toilets of kings, right? That should be our heart. But so often when we're given small tasks and menial tasks, our pride creeps in. And what do we say? Do they not know who I am? Do they not know who just walked in this building, right? Husbands, your wife asks you to help her with something after you've worked all day. Don't you know who I am? Don't you know what I've just been through, what I've just done? You've forgotten the eight hours she's dealt with chaos in the home, right? We need to have a heart of humility saying, Lord, I want to excel in my work even if I'm in a place that's not fair. Even if I lost it all, even though it wasn't my fault, the government shut me down because of X, Y, or Z. We don't just get lazy. We don't just give up. But we continue to excel in our work. Especially for the young men, the young women here. This is a great verse for us to have because believers should excel in their work. Christians should have a great work ethic. And when we do, we will stand before mighty men, mighty women. Again, sometimes I laugh. I laugh at myself a lot. But especially when I'm in board meetings with other mighty men, right? I'm there. got my... AA, that's about it, right? And I'm in a meeting with millionaires, with bankers, with other people, and they're asking me, hey, what do you think about this? And I just laugh. I just laugh at myself because there's no reason I should be in the room. But if we're faithful to the Lord, he's going to be the one to lift you up. Next thing about Joseph, Joseph lived and worked seeking God's approval. Joseph lived and worked seeking God's approval. Again, that's the only way I believe he can serve these men while being in prison, while having done nothing wrong. Is that he was not looking for the approval of men. He was not looking to be freed by men. He was looking to be freed by God. We'll see his humanity, his brokenness. Hey, get me out of here. Help me out. But Joseph, he was saying, God, what would you have me to do? Lord, how do you want me to serve in this prison? Lord, this isn't fair. This isn't right. But God, how do you want me to serve? What do you want me to do here? With the young adults, we've been going through the book of Acts. We're about to finish up. And towards the end of Paul's missionary journeys, he's basically in a shipwreck that lasts two weeks. 14 days at sea where the boat is breaking apart. Everybody thinks they're going to die. Everybody's seasick for 14 days straight. And he can say, Lord, what's going on here? I've given up everything for you. Lord, don't you remember who I was? Don't you remember who I am? And God, you have me in the middle of a boat that's falling apart. And I tell them, hey, don't, let's not get on this boat. It's going to crash and nobody listens to me. May we trust in the Lord. May we seek the Lord. We go back to Genesis chapter 40 and we continue verses 5 through 7. It tells us, then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt who were confined in the prison, they had a dream, both of them, each man's dream in one night, and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came into them in the morning, and he looked at them, and he saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? 
Next thing we know of Joseph is that he cared about others. Joseph cared about other people. I don't know if you've ever been there. Maybe I'm the only sinner in this room, right? But you see someone, they look super sad, and what do you do? Oh, let me avoid this, right? And we turn the other way. Like, I don't want to get into this. They cry a lot, right? They're a really emotional person, so I don't want to get into this. Right? Just me. Sometimes you're at work, right? And we've all been there. Hey, how you doing? It's, I'm doing good, right? And you're, you're faced with two options. Oh, I'm glad you're doing good. I'll see you later, right? And you just walk out of the room. Or you say, hey, man, what's going on? Why do you seem down? Why do you seem sad? What's going on? Again, Joseph, he's in prison after being falsely accused, after doing the right thing and not sleeping with Potiphar's wife, after being sold into slavery by his brothers, after doing the right thing and being obedient to his dad to check up on them. He's serving these men, and he's still willing to care about them. Right? He doesn't say, you don't even know what I've been through. Suck it up, right? What's wrong with you, pansies, crying in here? You deserve to be in here. I've done nothing wrong. What's wrong with you? We don't see that. Just say, hey, man, why are you guys sad? I'd imagine in a prison cells today and grown men looking at each other, these hardened prison criminals, saying, hey, man, why do you look so sad today, right? It's a foreign concept to us. But we as believers, we should be there. We should be looking to care for others, to love on others. He's seeing two high-profile inmates, and he sees that they're sad, and he actually asks them about it. Let's turn to Romans chapter 12. And in Romans chapter 12 here, if you wondered, man, how should I be acting as a Christian? How should I be acting as a follower of Jesus, as a disciple of Jesus, as someone who claims that they're going to heaven? Romans chapter 12 and Philippians chapter 2, we'll look at that afterwards. It gives us a great list of things that we should be doing as believers. Romans chapter 12, let's read verses 14 through 21, it tells us, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. And do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. Again, family, are we there? Are we weeping with those that weep? Are we brokenhearted when we see others brokenhearted? Verse 16, are we setting our mind on high things or are we associating ourselves with the humble? Right? When we walk into a room, do we believe, hey, I'm the most important person in this room right now? Or do we walk into a room saying, man, Lord, how do you let me... Lord, how do you, Lord, they don't know who I really am. They wouldn't let me in here, right? God, they don't know what I've done. They don't know the things that I've been through. And Lord, you still let them love me. Lord, you still allow me to love on them and serve them. Again, what kind of heart do we have when we serve at church, when we come to church? Don't they know who I am? I should have my own parking lot at the front there. What's going on here, right? 
What's up with the golf cart ministry? They should have a golf cart ministry just for me. Don't they know I just got here? Or do we come in and say, man, I don't, I don't deserve to be a pastor here. I don't deserve to be a parking lot minister here. I, I don't deserve to be here with the babies crying on me and cleaning their boogers. I don't deserve to be here. Are we there, family? This is the heart of a believer. Philippians chapter 2, here we see Jesus, right? Our king, our chief, Philippians chapter 2. And now we're given the example of Jesus and the form he took for himself when he came onto this planet. And in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, it tells us, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each one esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing. Family, are we there, right? Doing all things without complaining or disputing. Are we there? I'm not there. I got a lot to work on. I look at Joseph. I love Joseph. I was telling my wife, I was like, as much as I don't like the past couple characters we've been through, I love Joseph, right? But he humbles me. He shows how far off. I am compared to Christ, which is why he's an example of Jesus within the first book of the Bible. But Joseph, he was not looking out for his own interests. He was coming into a room, coming into a prison cell saying, hey, who needs ministry? What did Christ come to do when he came to earth? He didn't have a huge birthday party when he was born, right? He didn't have a huge neon sign. Here comes the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Jesus Christ, the Son of God being born here in Bethlehem. No, he was around the peasants. Nobody liked the shepherds. They all thought they were a bunch of thieves, a bunch of bad guys. And yet, that's where Christ was born. He humbled himself to every point. We go back to Genesis chapter 40. Next thing we see here from Joseph is that he was compassionate. He was compassionate, right? Sometimes we can care for others. But we really don't care. We're like, ah, oh, this is the right thing to do. Let me ask them how they're doing. They say, good, oh, Jesus loves you. It's okay, right? See you later. And we run on our way. But there's a difference when we are compassionate. And now here we see his compassion. Verse 8, he doesn't just ask him, hey, what's wrong or what's going on? Now in verse 8, 
He tells them, they said to him, we each have had a dream and there's no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. Again, Joseph, he was compassionate. He loved these men. He cared about these men. And next, Joseph points people to God. Joseph right away points these two men to God. He doesn't say dreams. Oof, I got experience with dreams, right? When I was a young boy, let me tell you about my dreams. That's not what he does. He says, hey, dreams, hey, God is the interpreter of all dreams. And not only does he point these men to God, but now he volunteers to be the middleman leading them to hear from God. And this is an area where I need to grow big time in. This is an area where I think many of us need to grow in, that we're talking with someone, we're ministering to someone, we see their need for Jesus, and we say, hey, man, Jesus is awesome, you need Jesus? Let me introduce you to Pastor Raz. He's going to lead you to Jesus, right? Hey, 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 son, hey, daughter, you really need Jesus, so go to that kid's ministry worker, and they're going to lead you to Jesus. Hey, friend, hey, family, hey, Jesus is the best, he's the most amazing, but go listen to this, go speak to this man. Joseph is willing to be the middleman. He's willing to say, hey, God is God. God is the best. God can fix this broken situation, right? And he points them to God, and then he says, hey, tell me about it. Tell me what's going on. Let's bring Jesus here right now, and let's see what's going on. Let's see how he wants to speak to you. Again, Joseph, he had his own experience with dreams from the Lord, but yet he points them to God. You can write down Genesis 37, verse 5 through 11, and Genesis 37, 19 through 20. This is when Joseph has his two dreams. We're not sure if he should have shared it with his brothers yet or shared it with his brothers and his dad yet, but the Lord knows. You can write down Daniel chapter 2, verse 27 through 30, and Daniel's faced with a similar situation. The king of the whole land, he has a bad dream, a dream that's freaked him out, so now he calls to the wisest men in his court, And he says, hey, guys, I've had a really bad dream. Can you tell me what my dream means? But, hey, I don't want you guys lying to me, so can you tell me my dream, and then can you tell me what my dream means? And they're all going nuts. They're saying, you're crazy. No one can do this. Now they go to Daniel. Daniel sticks out his neck because Daniel could have been quiet, and they would have killed all the other bad guys. But Daniel speaks out, verse 27, Daniel answered in the presence of the king, and he said, the secret which the king has demanded the wise men The astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has made known to you, King Nebuchadnezzar, what will be in the latter days. Your dream, the visions of your head upon your bed were these. Family, this is what we must do. We must do like Joseph did. When the world is crying out for answers we got to point them to Jesus. We don't need to come up with our own things. We don't need to take things from the world and say, yeah, if we do this, then this will fix that. No, they were faced with an impossible task. Joseph doesn't try to do it. We know Joseph is filled with wisdom. We know Joseph, he's been a manager since he's 17 years old of other grown men. And yet he says, let's bring God into the equation. And today, it's the same thing, family. The madness that's going on in our world today, only God has the answer. Jesus is the only answer. May we be pointing people to the cross. When people ask us, man, what's going on? None of this makes sense. Say, hey, none of this makes sense. No one from planet Earth can come up with the true answer. But 
there is a God. There is a God of all heavens and earth who he will reveal secrets. May we be like Joseph family. May we be like Daniel. Why? Because all wisdom and understanding, it comes from God. True wisdom, true understanding family, it only comes from God. Doesn't come from social media, right? Doesn't come from blogs. I don't know why I think of cookbooks. Doesn't come from cookbooks, right? It doesn't come from whatever random self-help book you got. Wisdom and understanding, it only comes from God. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 9. Such an important scripture for us, believers of Jesus, Christians, those of us who say we're going to heaven. Proverbs chapter 9, we'll read verses 9 through 11. And here we see the difference between a wise man and a foolish man. And then we see where true wisdom comes from. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 9, it tells us, Give instruction to a wise man, and he will still be wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied, and the years of life will be added to you. Family, I'm not the only one that in this season we've become a little bit more of news junkies, right? Or trying to scour the interwebs for really what's going on, right? Really, really what's going on. What we need to turn to more than ever is God's word. God's word is the only way that we're going to understand, Lord, why are things so insane right now? God, why are things so crazy right now? Oh, it's because the more we turn to sin, the more we look like our sin, the more that we're going to look like the father of sin. Wow, Lord, that makes a lot of sense today. Lord, is it because one day you're coming and things have to get worse before you can come and fix things? Wow, Lord. Wow, Lord, is it because things have to be so broken that even an enemy of the world, even a man filled with Satan, he can rise up, fix things, and everyone's going to worship him? Wow, Lord, this makes sense. Family, the way that our world is going to make sense is by knowing more of God's word. I fall prey to that. Sometimes we become news junkies and we want to be the first one to tell everyone the news. We want to start our own news agency, right? And many times we're wrong. Many times we're messed up. I'm still waiting for any news agency to say front page, hey, we were wrong. We messed up about this, right? No one's willing to do that. But may we as believers be there. May we remember all wisdom, all understanding, all knowledge, family. It comes from God. It comes from the Lord it comes from his word. We go back to Genesis chapter 40. Genesis 40, again, these two men, they have dreams. Joseph, he actually cares about them. He loves on them. Hey, why are you guys sad? Why are you guys down? Oh, man, you guys had some dreams. Hey, God, he's able to answer these dreams. Let's talk about this. Let's deal with this. Then in verse 9, it tells us, Then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph. And he said to him, Behold, in my dream a vine was before me. And in the vine were three branches, and it was as though it budded, its blossom shot forth, and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, and I pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation of it. The three branches, they are three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head, and restore you to your place. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. 
But remember me when it is well with you. And please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. Again, the Lord, he gave the answer to Joseph. But we see here, Joseph was not a spiritual robot. Sometimes we read men and women in the Bible and we just think, dude, this guy was a cyborg, right? Spiritual robot. They never sinned. They never messed up. They never had an ounce of humanity. They were just filled by the Holy Spirit and they just did everything the Holy Spirit said. Sometimes we talk to pastors or leaders and we're like, they're not human, right? One time I was with them, the lights were off and they were glowing, right? They just sort of float around. They never deal with sin. They never have emotion. They never cry. They never feel pain. They never feel backstabbed. They're just... It's like a spiritual robot. We see here Joseph's pain. Joseph's hurt. Joseph's emotion. Joseph's desire to get out of an unfair situation. But how does Joseph handle it? He simply declares the truth. Joseph here, he's not turning to his emotions. He's not coming undone because of his emotions or because of what's been unfairly done to him. He simply speaks the truth. Hey, guys, this is what happened to me. I'm here. Be kind to me. Get me out of here. I was stolen away from my land. I've done nothing wrong. Please don't forget about me. That's all he does. He speaks the truth in love. Then verse 16, when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, I also was in my dream, and there were three white baskets on my head. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation, maybe at work, Maybe it's Christmas or a party, right, where your boss has a meeting with you and it went great. And then your coworker's like, hey, what happened in your meeting? Man, I got blessed. I got a bonus. I got a new position. And then they go, oh, man, let me ask him. Hey, boss, what's my meeting about, right? Or you get a present. Your abuela gives you something and it's amazing. It's incredible. Now your little brother or sister asks for their present. And then they have their meeting with the boss and they get fired, right? They're waiting for their amazing present and they got socks, right? I don't know if you've ever seen that or if you've been there, if you've been on the receiving end. This is way worse than anything like that, right? This chief baker, he sees that his co-worker's interpretation is good, so he goes to Joseph. Oh, man, good news? Yeah, 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 tell me about my dream. Now verse 17, it says, in the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, right? Pastelitos, pan, all this stuff in there. And then the birds, they came, they ate them out of the basket on my head. So Joseph, he answers... And he says, this is the interpretation of it. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head from you and hang you on a tree. And the birds will eat your flesh from you, right? Talk about super exciting to, oh, okay, right? Super bummed out. Family, an important thing for us to note here is that Joseph, he didn't let his pain, he didn't let his love, his hurt for these men, keep him from speaking the truth. He didn't keep that from holding him back. He loved these men. He hurt with them. He saw they were hurting. He saw that they were breaking. And he didn't say, I'm not going to tell him this one, right? Yeah, yeah, you got to pray with the Lord about that one. Allow the Lord to show you what he's speaking to you. And he says, hey, this is what's going to happen. In three days, your head's going to be lifted up just like your brother, except you're going to be hanging on a tree. He's going to be lifted up back to his position. You're going to be lifted up by a noose, right? Two differences here. He didn't let this pain, this love, this care to hold him back from speaking the truth. And family, that's the same thing for us today. As believers, we need to speak the truth in love. 
Don't allow emotions to get in the way. Don't allow love for someone to get in the way. Don't allow someone who's going through a really bad season in life. Get in the way of saying, hey, I love you. I care for you. But have you thought maybe you're reaping what you've sown? Have you read God's word? Right? I love being able to do that. And as much love as possible, you just simply say, hey, I know what you say, but this is what the Bible's saying. And you just sort of back out and like see what the Lord does in it. And people, if they want to get angry at the Lord, family, let them get angry at the Lord. If they want to get angry at you because you're properly representing God and his word, let them get angry at you. Again, fathers, parents, many of us, we've handicapped ourselves because we're afraid of our kids being mad at us or bothered with us, right? They're going to cry and be sad. No, we need to be concerned with, Lord, what do you think of me? Lord, what do you think of my parenting skills here? Not, hey, mommy blog, what do you say about my parenting skills here? Genesis 40, we keep going, verse 20 through 23. It says, now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, right? Talk about a birthday party. Then he made a feast for all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants, and then he restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted it to them, yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but he forgot him. Joseph did everything right. Joseph loved him. Joseph cared about them. Joseph was honest with them. Joseph, we don't see any sin, any wrongdoing here. And yet he was not taken out of his bad situation. Family, we need to be careful with trusting in men. Trusting in men, trusting in humans to free us from bad situations. Amos chapter 6, verse 6, you can write it down. It says, who drink from wine bowls and anoint yourselves with the best anointments, but are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. Again, this butler has forgotten. He's at the party with Pharaoh. He's having the best time of his life. He got his job back. He's super excited. He's completely forgotten about Joseph, the man that cared for him and loved him and was there for him in his worst of days. And family, if you're a believer here and you've been with someone in their worst of days and they forget about you later on, join the club. Join the club. Join the club with Joseph. Join the club with Daniel. Join the club with Jesus. We need to join the club. We can't just trust in men to be the ones to fix our situations. Next thing, family, just because we do everything perfectly does not mean that our situation will turn out what's perfect in our minds. Many times we come to the Lord because we say, Lord, I've dug myself into a really bad hole and now I'm here. Hey, God, I'm here now, right? Won't you take me out of this hole in I need 24 hours? Right, God? Won't you fix this really big mess up I've done? And sometimes we're in a bad situation, even though we've done everything right, and we say, Lord, I'm going to press into you more, not because I want to hear from you or I want you or I love you. Lord, I want to press into you more because if I press into you more, Lord, then you're going to have to do my will. Then you're going to have to do what I want. We have to be careful with that, family. Isaiah 55, verse 8 through 9. We could turn there. Isaiah 55, verse 8 through 9. It's an important thing for us to remember in this season where so much doesn't make sense. So much of what's up is down and what's down is up, right? We should be reminded they call light dark, dark light. They call evil good 
and good evil. Isaiah 55, verse 8 through 9, it tells us, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Family, have you ever been there? You've been praying a prayer. You've hoped you've wanted something so desperately, and then it doesn't happen. You're sad, and then a day or two or a week or a month or a year happens, and you go, wow, Lord, we really dodged a bullet there, right? I don't know if you've ever prayed to get married to a certain person, and you're begging and pleading, heartbreak, it all goes bad, and you go, thank you, God, right? You see them a couple years later. You see who they've become, and you just say, thank you, God. Thank you for not answering that prayer, right? Sometimes the Lord's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Sometimes we go through great difficulties and we say, Lord, why, why, why? And later on, we've grown. Later on, we've seen the spiritual muscle we've grown because we've poured into God when things got bad instead of pouring into sin when things get bad. And then we say, wow, Lord, you've gotten me ready for this latest situation in life. Lord, you've gotten me ready for this next position in life that I wasn't ready for. But Lord, how you've prepared me. And again, for Joseph, first he was prepared by his dad, 17 years old. He's in charge of 10 older brothers that we know are like the biggest knuckleheads ever. And he's in charge of them. Then he's in Potiphar's house. He's in charge of everyone. Then he's an inmate that's in charge of other inmates, right? And how the Lord was preparing him to one day be in charge of the entire nation. Really to be in charge of the entire world. Saving the whole world, the whole area there from having no food from having a terrible plague, from having a terrible famine. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, it tells us, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Right? The Lord's Prayer. We recite this, but do we mean this when we pray? If I'm honest, many times when I pray, I say, Lord, my kingdom come. Right? God, my will be done. Please, God, let what I want to happen, happen. But are we humble enough to say, Lord... Whatever you got planned, I trust in you, Lord. This doesn't make sense, Lord. This season doesn't make sense. But God, I trust in you. Family, may we be obedient to the Lord and his word. Not just to get out of a bad situation. Not just because we think he's going to give us the perfect family. But because we love him. Because we love his word. Because he is enough and because he's done enough for us that we owe him our loyalty for the rest of eternity. That's why we should be obedient to God. That's why we should be obedient to God's word. Is because of all that he's done for us. It puts us on a scale to such a point that it catapults us to say, Lord, I'm ready and willing to be loyal to whatever you want. Like Job would say, Lord, though you slay me, God, I'm going to trust in you. May we not just love God and be obedient to God because we're trying to force him into our will, but may we love and trust God because he has done so much for us, family. So remember, may we not trust in mankind. When we trust in mankind, you'll get your feelings hurt. You're going to get let down. You're going to get bummed out. Put your trust, your hope in the Lord. So to be reminded, Joseph, what did he do when he was treated unfairly? He served others. He served the other servants. Joseph, what did he do? He didn't live in the past. He wasn't stuck in his past, trying to get out of his past, trying to tell other people about his past. Joseph, he lived and worked seeking God's approval and not man's approval. 
Joseph, he cared about others. Joseph, he was compassionate. Joseph, he pointed other people to God. Joseph, he volunteered to be the middleman to bring people to God and to the word of God. But these lists of, man, the character within Joseph, it's so important for us as fathers. It's important for every person here. Married, single, mom, dad. But again, fathers, for us to put ourselves here. Joseph served them. Dads, are we serving our family? When we get home after working, I know we're tired, we're exhausted. Some of you guys are working hard jobs. We keep praying for our law enforcement here at the church. But when we get home, do we say, honey, how can I serve? How can I help, right? Dads, are we serving our families? Joseph, he did not live in the past. There's so many men that if we're honest, all they talk about their past glory days, right? I was once at this old man in high school. You should have seen me. You should have seen me on the football team, right? Dads, do we realize our glory days are today? The best days of our life, it's today with our kids, the opportunities we have with our families. The best day of the glory days is today with the opportunity we have to be dads within the home of God. Are we stuck living in the past? Joseph, he lived and worked seeking God's approval. Dads, whose approval are we seeking? Is it our wives? Is it our mother-in-law's? Is it the guys on the softball team? Is it the guys at the bar? Or are we saying, Lord, what would you have me to do? Lord, am I being the man you want me to be? Single man. Lord, am I being the single man you want me to be? Joseph, he cared about others. Dads, are we caring about others? Are we caring about our families? Again, living in the past, sometimes we say, right, many of us are Hispanic. Lots of Hispanic dads are pretty rough and tough, right? We say, my dad was super rough and tough with me. I cried. He threw me against the wall. So why should I be different, right? Why should I be any different? My kids are crying, and I'm just, look at me. I turned out pretty okay, right? We shouldn't be doing that. We need to be compassionate. We need to be loving. As Jesus-following men, we need to care about other people. We need to be compassionate. We need to be loving. We need to see our kids broken, and we need to not just say, hey, honey, this one's on you. We need to be compassionate. When our wives are hurting, ladies in our life are hurting, we need to say, hey, how can I care for you? How can I pray with you? How are you doing? Not just saying, hey, go get your nails done. Go do something, right? You look sad. What's wrong with you? Joseph, he pointed people to God. Dads, are we pointing people to God? Are we pointing our own families to God, our own kids, our own wives, the people in this room? Are we helping lead and point others to the Lord? Because that's on us. We're the priests of the home. We're the priests of this home as well. And are we pointing others to God? And finally, Joseph... He volunteered to be the middleman, bringing people to God and the word of God to the people. Oftentimes as dads, we put the spiritual on someone else. Hey, when it comes to being tough, when it comes to teaching you how to fish, that's on me. But Jesus, honey, this one's on you. Jesus, hey, youth group, this one's on you. No, that's on us, man. We need to be the spiritual men in our homes, leading our kids in every good thing, and outdoors, and working hard, and loving Jesus. We need to be the middleman, especially for our own family and within our own family of God to lead others to Jesus. May we stop passing the buck, especially in our own homes, because when we stand before God, there's nobody else to pin the blame on. Adam, right, first man ever, first husband ever, what does he do right away? God, it was his fault, right? She did it. Man, when we get to heaven, 
it's us. It's us there alone. It's not all the dads standing holding hands, right? It's me standing naked before the Lord, and God's going to say, Zach, what did you do with those three talents I gave you? Zach, what did you do with the wife and the family I gave you? And even if you're single here, God's going to say, hey, what did you do with the family I gave you? What did you do with the church family I gave you? What did you do with all the talents, all the giftings? You were born in America. You weren't born in Sudan. What did you do with the blessings I gave you? What did you do with them? You were at a pretty decent church. There's no craziness or madness there. What did you do with those talents that I gave you? Each of us, we're going to stand there before the Lord alone. The team of pastors won't be there with you. Your wife's not going to be with you. Your kids are going to be with you. It's you and God. And at least there's two judgments, right? There's one judgment that if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you don't have a love and relationship and friendship with Jesus Christ, that's the first question. Hey, is the blood of my son upon your life? Have you accepted my son to be the payment for your sins? And right there, that's entrance into heaven or entrance into hell. That's the first judgment. Then the second judgment is, hey, what did you do? What did you do on earth? What did you do with the talents I gave you? So family, men, may we be ready for both judgments. May each of us be ready for the first judgment and each of us ready for the second one. That God is going to take into account every word that we say. Every word we say, God's going to take it into account one day when we get into heaven. Every work that we do, God is going to take it into account when we get to heaven. So who are we going to be? Are we going to be that kid that test day comes and we're sweating, right? We're freaking out. What's going to happen? Can my mom call me out sick? Are we going to get to the test and say, Lord, I've been waiting for this day. Lord, I've been working hard. Lord, I am ready for this day. I'm so ready to meet you.